0: Shalom, welcome everybody. So glad to be here. I'm glad that you are joining me this morning, whether it be live or if you're watching this down the road. I pray that this message is a blessing for you. What a Shabbat we had. It was full of excitement, wonderful fellowship, praise, and worship. If you didn't get to see our Friday fellowship, we were joined by Left and Right Ministries, and they were willing to share a few of their wonderful songs with us to start off our evening. As we entered into Shabbat. It was such a joyous time to fellowship with them, get to meet them, and really just enjoy the music that they have created to praise Yah's name. And so we hope to have them back again. We hope that you enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it, do check it out. It was a really great episode. They even kind of shared some of their testimony and where they came from and where they are now. So it was just a joyous event. And uh, like I said, hope to have them back again. Hope to have some uh, additional musicians. We're, we're looking out there. If you know of anyone, if you're a musician yourself, reach out to us. We'd love to have you come on and share some songs of praise and worship for our assembly to start the Shabbat off. Blessings for your new week. I do hope that your Shabbat was restful and that you are restored for this new week ahead. It's always wonderful to start the week off in the scripture, fellowshipping with each other. It's just amazing that Whether I'm doing a show or just being able to be in the live chat for one of Lee's shows, I feel like we get to basically fellowship all week long, each day. Uh, And it's so wonderful to be able to do that with brothers and sisters and just encourage each other, learn from each other. That's what we're here for. We're all students of the Word. We're just seeking His truth and the Word that we can find throughout Scriptures. And it's so beautiful each and every time we get a deeper understanding I want to say hello to a few of our guests we've got so far this morning. Andrea, great to see you and my wife. Glad you are all here, as well as Amanda. Thank you for joining. Anyone else out there, we are just thankful that you joined us. So let me share. I don't always get to share these morning prayers that Lee puts in our Telegram group, but uh, since I am live this morning, I want to go ahead and share this one that she put in earlier today. Yahweh, we praise you and worship you now and forever. Father, please stay close to us in all seasons of our lives. We praise you for the blessings. We praise you in the trials and in the storm. Yahweh, you are in control and make a way when all we see is an army approaching and deep waters in front of us. Hallelujah. You split that sea and make a way for us on dry land, Father, We pray, please bring to the surface our leaven so we can remove everything in us that is not pleasing to you. Yahushua, we pray and ask for help to love others as you do and forgive without giving it a second thought. Instill in us your humbleness and meekness. Worthy is the lamb who died for the sins of the world. Thank you, Father. the Ruach HaKodesh, our comforter and fire within us, leading us still in worship of Yahuwah. I pray we speak of your truth today. We walk in your Torah, guard the work of our hands, and guide the steps of our feet in all your ways and in your will. We love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and might. Nothing is above you. We pray in your loving Yeshua's Mashiach's name. Amen. I really enjoyed that one. So I wanted to share for any of you that are not a part of our telegram. My wife, Lee, posts some wonderful prayers each and every morning, as well as everyone in our prayer group. We have a prayer team dedicated to each day of the week to lift up all those prayer requests, those needs, whether they be known or not. Yahweh knows them and he will provide we want to lift up those as well, the ones that we do know. It's just a wonderful, powerful tool that we can use in the time of need, in the time of struggle. And we all are going through trials. We're all dealing with a storm one way and in another in our lives. And so we must lean on YAH to split the sea or to shield us from the storm. And we know we can rely on Him. Shalom, Eric. Good morning, brother. Glad you are here. Great to have all of you. And that prayer really kind of goes in line with what we're going to be discussing today. So we are reading out of the half Torah, Isaiah 43, 21 through forty four twenty three, 23. And the Besor portion comes from Matthew 5, 23 through 30. And this is week 23 by Ekra. And it was a great portion. We really enjoyed it all about sacrifice and offering and how now we are that living sacrifice. We are offering up ourselves, our good deeds, our prayers to the Father as a pleasing incense to Him. It is so important that we can have a clean vessel so that our offerings and praises and prayers are received by the Father. We know as we are approaching this time of Passover, it's so important to remove the leaven from our lives. so we're going to get into a little bit of that here today as well. Now I have decided that for this ep- for these half Torah readings, welcome Betty. No problem. We're just getting started. So glad you joined us. So for many of these half tour readings, I was reading through some commentary as well. It was just kind of mixed and mingled within the scripture and i've just had it put on my heart to just stick to the word Um, not that i disagree with the words that were being spoken Uh, i really enjoyed the resource and i've learned a lot it gives me a deeper understanding into some of the scriptures but this show is focused on the line-by-line reading and i want to focus on the words from yahuwah and his chosen not necessarily maybe the words of man and their interpretation. Um, Not that commentary is wrong. I do enjoy it, like I said, and I'm still going to read it on my own time. If you enjoy that, I would highly recommend looking in Esword or even the Blue Letter Bible is another great resource with all kinds of commentaries. Uh, But I have decided that for this show, starting today, we're just going to stick to the scripture through the half Torah, and that may give me a little more time to just share uh, what comes to my mind, what comes to my heart, what the Father puts on my tongue to speak. Uh, So I hope that is okay with everybody. And I do have some things I'd like to share uh, regarding the Besorah portion today. I always really love getting a deeper understanding of the words spoken from our Messiah. We know many times he wasn't necessarily dry and clear on things. He might have had to speak in parables, maybe because he knew he couldn't say certain things just due to the time and the law and uh, the Sanhedrin and all those that he was around. Uh, But there is a deeper meaning in all the words he speaks. And so anytime we can get a a better grasp and understanding of those, uh, what a blessing that is. Shalom Eileen, thank you for joining us this morning. And Tyler, great to see you. Shalom Hope you guys are having a wonderful morning. The sun is shining bright today. We are going to go for a walk this afternoon and just enjoy the creation and the beauty that YAH gave to us to enjoy. All right, so let's get started. And these scriptures are from the Scriptures 2009 translation. We switch back and forth between this and the Sefer. Um, I really enjoy seeing the name of our father, yod Vavhe, vav spelt out in the Hebrew. And that's one reason I enjoy the Scriptures 2009 so much. Uh, where other, I really enjoy the Sefer. I, I enjoy the, the names, how they are spelled out in the Hebrew Just they're both wonderful, and so I do go back and forth between them. You'll see throughout our shows of the week, we'll switch back and forth, just depending on what the Scripture says. Sometimes it's worded a little differently, but I'm going to be using the Scriptures 2009 this morning. So starting in Isaiah 43, verse 21. This people I have formed for myself. Let them relate my praise. But you have not called on me, O Yaakov, for you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for the ascending offerings, nor have you esteemed me with your slaughterings. I have not caused you to serve with grain offering, nor wearied you with incense. You have not brought me sweet cane with silver, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your slaughterings. You have only burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your crookedness. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Remind me, let us enter into judgment. Together, relate that you might be declared right. Your first father sinned, and your interpreters have transgressed against me. So I have profaned the chief ones of the set-apart place, and I have delivered up Yaakov to the curse, and Israel to scorn. Well, Tyler, it's super cold and snowing there in Utah. You probably are getting so much colder weather than us, although it did just snow last week here, so with Tennessee... You really never know what you're going to get. We're hoping that the cold has made its way out for the spring and we can enjoy the warmer temperatures. But just blessings to all. And we know that the Father's providing whatever our land needs. So we're just going to take it and enjoy it when it's coming. In this portion here, you can really see already that Israel is not honoring the Father as he commands in many ways, their sins and transgressions has displeased him, and this is going to be the reoccurring theme throughout this portion and the Parshat and the besor portion. So, let's continue on. Oh, jumping already into forty-four, chapter forty-four, one. Israel is Yahweh's chosen, but now hear, O Yaakov, my servant and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Yahweh, who made you and formed you from the womb, who helps you, do not fear, O Yaakov, my servant, and Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I pour water on the thirsty, and flood, and floods on the dry ground. I pour my spirit on your seed, and my blessing on your offering. Such a beautiful foreshadowing to the Messiah. How he offers us that everlasting water, quenching our thirst. And they shall spring up among the grass like willows by streams of water. One says, I belong to Yahuwah. Another calls himself by the name of Yaakov. Another writes with his hand unto Yahuwah and names himself by the name of Israel. Beside me there is no Elohim something we all need to remember and understand. And fear, a healthy dose of fear for the Father is important in all of our lives. Verse 6, Thus says Yahuwah, Sovereign of Israel, and His Redeemer, Yahuwah of Hosts: I am the first and I am the last, the Aleph and the Tav. Besides me there is no Elohim. And who is like me? Let him call and declare it and lay it before me, since I appointed the everlasting people and the events that are coming and those that do come. Let them declare those to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not since made you hear and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there an Elihi besides me? There is no other rock. I know not one. The Father and His Son, they are our foundation. We need to build on their strong and sturdy foundation because anything else that we build upon will crumble in the storms with the waves of the ocean crashing down upon it. We must build ourselves strongly in the foundation of our Father, which is the Word, the Scripture, why it's so important each and every day to read the Word. Wherever you choose, it will bless you and it will strengthen you. Verse 9. Those who make an idol, all of them are emptiness, and their delights do not profit, and they are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know, so that they are put to shame. Who would form a mighty one, or cast an idol, that is of no value? See, All his companions are ashamed, and the workmen, they are but men. Let them all be gathered together, let them stand up, let them fear, let them be put to shame altogether. The craftsman in iron with the tools works one in the coals and fashions it with hammers and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he shall be hungry. And has no strength. He drinks no water and is weary. The carpenter stretches out his rule. He outlines it with chalk. He fashions it with a plan. I'm sorry, with a plane. And he outlines it with a compass. And makes it like the figure of a man. According to the comeliness of a man. To remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself. And takes cypress and oak which he raised among the trees of the forest. He has painted, planted a pine, and the rain nourishes it. And it shall be for a man to burn, for he takes some of it and warms himself. He also kindles it and shall bake bread. He also makes a mighty one and bows himself to it, has made it a carved image and falls down before it. You know, just reading these scriptures, I'm thinking of so many various idols in a statue form, whether it be large statues around our various cities in the center of the city, uh, whether it be awards like the Oscars, the Grammys, literal golden statues of man. You know, these are idols that people value, that they dedicate day and night, their efforts and their work and their soul to, really. And so we cannot be putting our attention to these idols of man. We see that, uh, where did that verse go? Sorry. Just talking about how none of these idols will provide. They are empty. They do not profit us in any way. The only one that can give us strength, that can give us food and water, For nourishment is the Father and His Son. They are everlasting. All other idols will crumble and dissolve into dust, just like we will one day when we perish. Yeah, Betty's saying here, Yes, and those idols that people value like money and fame and status. There's so many forms of idols. And really anything that takes your attention away from the Father is considered an idol. Anything that you're putting above others, especially the Father, is an idol. And we need to evaluate our lives. What are we giving precedence? What are we putting importance in our lives? It may surprise you if you're making an inventory of things that are important to you. How much importance have you given them? Tyler, you're right. Idolatry is foolishness. It sure is. And it's empty. It may provide a temporary satisfaction to our flesh, but that's all it's going to provide. It's not going to provide the nourishment to our salvation and to our spiritual life. Verse 16. Half of it he shall burn in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He also warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a mighty one. He carved his carved image. He falls down before it and worships, prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are a mighty one. They do not know nor understand for he has smeared their eyes from seeing and their hearts from understanding. And no one recalls it to his heart. Nor is there understanding nor understanding to say, I'm sorry, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. And I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it? An abomination? Should I fall down before a log of wood? Feeding on ashes, a deceived heart turns him aside, and he does not deliver his being, nor says, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Also, talking about these scriptures right here, I'm just picturing the Christmas tree, a piece of wood that we Bring into our house. I'm so thankful that we no longer do this. Our eyes have been opened. We now have understanding. But these Christmas trees that we are told not to cut down, to not bring into our house and not decorate with gold and silver and adorn them with presents underneath. What are we doing when you reach down to get a present? You're bowing down to that tree. And so that's what was really on my mind as I was reading through these verses here. You know, that is an idol in itself. For years, when we were still celebrating Christmas, I can remember sitting there with the lights off and just admiring the lights and the decorations on the tree. And that was a form of an idol in our lives. We were essentially worshiping that tree and excited for the gifts that are waiting underneath for us. It's all a temporary false illusion. Yahuwah has commanded us to not worship false idols. Worship Him only. He is the only Elohim, the God of Israel. Sorry, I just had to rant a little bit about Christmas. So verse 40, I'm sorry, verse 21. Yahuwah redeems Israel. Remember these matters, O Yaakov and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. Do not forget me. I shall wipe out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I shall redeem you. Sing, O heavens, for Yahweh shall do it. Shout. O depths of the earth, break forth into singing. O mountains, forest, and every tree in it. For Yahweh shall redeem Yaakov and make himself clear in Israel. I love these verses. We know when Messiah returns that the nature, the trees, and the mountains, the creation will be singing, singing out in joy and praises. Also, one thought is the trees will be singing because they will no longer be cut down for these false idols that man has made of them. Just such a beautiful image to know that the creation, the things that we think of that are rocks and trees and just the ground and the sky, the animals, none of those speak, but they do. They used to, especially in the times of Adam before sin took place, but they will sing and, and praise once again. What a beautiful image that is. Betty he says here, preparing for that day, kneeling to put gifts under it and take them out. You know, sometimes you really don't realize that's what's happening until somebody says it and it hits you like a ton of bricks. That you were bowing down before a false idol, a false god, depending on how much importance you put on these traditions of man, these holy days. You know, they are not his set apart Moedim. They are not his holy days that we are commanded to honor. Yes, the trees will rejoice. What an awesome, awesome visual that is going to be. Eric saying here, he just read this morning Acts nineteen, twenty-two through forty-one. It's about those craftsmen who make the idols attack those who threaten their livelihood. Very interesting. And there's all kinds of idols, you know, some may seem and look harmless, some may be used for evil and wickedness, but we know that any idol, anything worshiped that is not of Yahuwah is wicked. Thank you for sharing that. I'll check those verses out after this. That sounds interesting. Amanda sharing here, I have never slept the night before and would just lay on the couch and watch it all night. Yeah, referring to the Christmas tree. It's mesmerizing and it almost puts you in a trance, you know, waiting for Santa Claus to land on your roof. It's just a bunch of Unfortunately, childish uh, lies that you know, have been passed down for generations to generations. And uh, we're trying to break that and to reveal the truth and to open the eyes of those that are still participating in those events that may not see anything wrong with it, that don't realize the harm in worshiping these days of man. All right, so that does it for our half Torah portion. I really enjoy that, and I, I enjoy the connection between the the shot Torah reading, the half Torah, and the Besorah. They're so connected in ways, and each and every time I read through them, I learn something deeper, and I see a deeper, stronger connection between them. You know, just because Messiah was speaking in the New Testament doesn't mean He wasn't there. He wasn't being foreshadowed. His messages weren't being relayed in the Old Testament. He was there from the beginning. And we can see Him throughout the Scriptures, from the beginning to the end, just as the Father is, the Aleph Tav. Good point. My wife says, The lights of Christmas are false light. And we've been discussing that on our Thursday show. It's an exciting new mini-series we've started the seven days of creation that connect to the seven trumpets of revelation. And we know that there's many false lights in this world today, whether it be electricity or false mashiachs, false prophets, many people can come as a form of false light. And so join us for those. Those are really exciting. We're going to be starting uh, the second one this Thursday, probably going to be day two of creation and the second trumpet. So looking forward to that. Betty says, thinking of sports now, how people come together and shout for their team, wearing clothes and all kinds of things to identify them as part of that group. And that is so true. It really is a form of idol worship, especially these superstars, you know, that are getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play a child's game, essentially. And we know that this is just the new form of. Of The gladiator ring when they would fight to the death a lot of these sports are very dangerous and can lead to death We've seen this in the past where some have lost their lives due to injuries or other things So we have to put a priority in our lives I'm not necessarily saying you can't watch sports, but you don't need to be obsessing over it You don't need to be worshiping it. I had to really cut back on football I was obsessing and idolizing watching it every week, you know, thinking about uh, what's going to happen. Am I going to be mad or happy all week if my team wins or loses and that is such a false idol right there to put that much attention and that much effort and emotion into a team like that. So. Put that attention and focus into the Father. It will really provide blessings. We know Yahuwah is victorious and will and has won the battle. We don't ever have to worry about losing when we are with Him and He is on our side and we're honoring Him. Great point. Thank you for sharing that. My wife says concerts too. People below the band facing them, singing their unholy chants with them. You know, Hollywood... Movie stars and musicians, rock stars, just another form of an idol. People worship and obsess over these people. Put them on a pedestal above Elohim. Create gods of them. And we know no one is above Elohim. There is no other god but Elohim. Team Yah. I like that. Exactly. That's whose team we need to be on. Family Yah. Great word. All right, so let's jump into the Besorah, and we'll find some connections here as well. I think this is so relevant to these weeks leading into Passover, and even though not all of these portions are mentioning leaven, they are symbolic, and they are referencing it if you just read deep enough, and this week is maybe more important than anything we will see here momentarily. How important it is to remove all the leaven, whether it be sin or grudges, anger or hate against a brother. We must remove it all so that we can have that clean vessel that is pleasing and honoring to our father. Andrea, you're so right. Coming out of Babylon and Egypt, there's so many ways to do that. And we're still learning It took us many months, even years, to really learn exactly what needed to go, how to set us apart from the world, to step away from the traditions, the pagan things of man. We are called to come out of Mitzrayim, come out of Babylon, to not be one with the world. It is so important. And it's a learning experience. And we're here to help. We're here to lift each other up. We're willing to share what we went through, what we learned, right and wrong, you know, sometimes it is a trial by error, and we want to just help those that are new, maybe coming into this walk, explain, you know, what we went through and how we were able to remove this or that. Uh, it is an ongoing process, and we are always to evaluate our lives, especially in this Passover, this Pesach season. Removing the leaven from our home and from our insides, our living tabernacle. Yeah, we are going to have to do some deep cleaning around the house. It's coming quick. My wife says, I'm going to have to get to work. Andrea, great verse, great comment here. Create in me a clean heart, O Yah, and renew a right Ruach within me. Amen. Yeah, we are making some awesome apparel to make us walking witnesses. We are working on some new t-shirts and things like that. We've got some stickers in the works as well. So we hope that we can get to a point where we can offer that out to anybody interested in wearing that or placing a sticker somewhere for others to see. So maybe they can ask you, hey, what is that? What's fiery faith? Whether you explain the ministry or what it is to you, we are all called to have that fiery faith. That Ruach Hakodesh needs to be burning bright within us, each and every breath we take. Amen, Amanda. I pray He never stops working on us. It is—it's a purification by fire, and so when we come up on trials and difficulties in our lives, it can seem burdensome. It can seem unfair, but it is also a blessing because Yah will get us through that, and when we do. We will have learned so much. We will have accomplished things that we thought might be impossible. We are going to be strengthened from him and through him. And so don't look at these negative aspects in your life as a bad thing. Look at them as a learning experience, as a blessing, something to overcome and become stronger and closer to the Father. Lean on him and put it at the cross of the Messiah. He will carry that burden. All right, so Matthew 5, starting in verse 23. It says, If then you bring your gift to the slaughter place, and there remember that your brother holds whatever against you. know, Messiah considers it far more important to be reconciled to a brother than to perform a sanctified duty we can't think that our service towards yahweh justifies bad relationships with others we should do what paul commanded in romans 12:18 it says if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men in order to worship yahweh acceptably we must do justice to our fellow men to our fellow man our neighbor our enemy Whoever that is, our worship will not be acceptable unless we do all we can to live peaceably with others. It is our duty to seek reconciliation with others when we have hurt them. This should be done before we attempt to worship YAH. And this is something that me and my wife has been working on. We have caused hurt and pain within the body, within others, within friends and family. And we are reaching out. We are repenting. We are making reconciliation with those that we have hurt. Whether they remember, whether they're forgiving or not, we have reached out and tried to repent for the wrongs and the hurt that we may have caused. We can't always assume that people forgive or forget. We just have a part to play. We must cleanse that leaven. It may not be a physical, a thought type sin. It could be been a word that we said that hurt a brother or sister, and that can still be leaven. If it's lingering within you, if you have not made amends, if you have not repented and reconciled, not to say that you have to remain friends, But you do need to apologize and to make things right. And YAH will work on healing that relationship. And so I pray that you can do this as we approach Passover. You may have cleansed your house of all the leaven, all the breadcrumbs. You may think that your living tabernacle is clean. But if you're holding on to a grudge or if you know someone that you have hurt, you need to make things right. Because we want our offerings and our sacrifices to be received and to be pleasing to Yah. And we can see right here that Messiah himself says it is more important to make things right with your brother than to offer up a sacrifice to the Father. And that really was powerful and really struck me this week as I was reading through this. And so it is something I am really going to work on and make sure that all of my wrongs have been right and that even if it's been years ago or if it's something new, that I want to make things right on my end and just pray that the Father can wipe that clean and to work on the relationship and restore it to where it once was. Forgive, forgive, forgive. That is so true. And it's something we need to be doing every day. Just like we say the word of the day every day is repent. We need to be repenting for our wrongs and we need to be forgiving the wrongs that have been done to us. It is not worth holding on to those feelings and those emotions. It's very powerful when you realize that something that could be affecting you so deeply, causing so much anger or haste That person that caused you hurt may not even remember, may not even care anymore, but yet it's tearing you up inside. And so let it go. Forgive and forget and move on. And we need to do the same. We need to hope that others can do that for us. But we must be willing to repent and to make things right and let YAH do the rest. Amanda says here, that's a good reminder. We must do all that we can, but after that, it's up to YAH and the other person. We can't carry that for others too. And that's so true. You know, we have a duty to make things right, to reach out, to repent, to apologize for what we did. At that point, it's up to y'all. It's up to the other, but we have that responsibility. We must honor. Eileen says here, here's the thing. We need to remember who we are to help others understand who we stand for, and who others can be because of what we hold. yah some ideas, understanding, and forgiveness. And when we are doing these things, when we are honoring Yah, He will bring understanding. He will bring healing and restoration to both parties. Sometimes it's as simple, I'm sorry, please forgive me, which can bring so much healing on your own, inside yourself, but also to the other person. And so this is what this message is today. We must be able to offer up our forgiveness, our apology as as an offering. That will be a pleasing offering to Yahuwah. We see how important it is to do that. So we know he will find favor in that. Humbling ourselves as Messiah did. Be a servant to all men. So true. So verse 24. Leave your gift there before the slaughter place and go. First make peace with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Yahushua tells us to interrupt our worship and go on the errand of seeking forgiveness first. Though it may seem profane, it may not seem logical. We may not be able to wrap our minds around it. We are to do so. It is more important that the heart be free from anxiety for a brother's peace of mind than that an external right be performed. Mercy before sacrifice. And that's exactly what our Messiah showed us. He was merciful and then he gave himself as a sacrifice. This shows that one guilty of wrongs to his fellow man cannot offer acceptable worship to Yahuwah. That was extremely eye-opening to me. When I read that, I just had to think on it over and over and realize I have got to make sure that I have repented for all the things that I have done to hurt others, whether it was a word or an action. I don't want my worship and my offerings to the Father to not be received because I haven't made things right with others. So I'm relaying this message, and you'll probably hear me repeating it multiple times, but this is so important. We have to be doing this. We have to be willing to. It's going to cause humility in your life. You will have to humble yourself in order to do this. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it will free you. It will be empowering, and it will ultimately allow your offerings to be received. So important. Verse 25, be well-minded with your opponent promptly while you are on the way with him, Lest your opponent deliver you to the judge and the judge be the officer and you be thrown into prison. Messiah commands us to quickly settle anger and malice with another. When we ignore it or pass it off, it genuinely imprisons us. It really does. It holds us in the chains. We need to break free of those chains. It is so powerful And so freeing to finally be able to set things straight, to apologize, to bring healing to both parties. It is what is commanded. It is what the Father wants of us. And Messiah is the perfect example of that. We didn't deserve what he gave for us. We didn't deserve his sacrifice, the pain and strife that he went through. But he was willing to do it for us and still forgive us of our sins. We've got to be able to do the same to our brothers and sisters, to our neighbors, to our enemies, friend or foe. Paul expresses this same idea in Ephesians 4, 26-27. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. When we hold on to our anger against another, when then sin we then sin and we give place to Hasatan. You know, there's that very famous quote, and I'm sure it came from this exact verse. You know, how did your marriage last 40, 50 years? Can you give us a word of advice? And most of the time, they will say, don't go to bed angry. If you're having an issue, a fight with your other, with your spouse, do not go to bed angry. Right there, it's saying, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger. That applies to anyone. We have to make things right with one another. Verse 26, truly I say to you, you shall by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny, the last farthing, farthing, a coin of insignificant value, which is equivalent To the two mites, the two mites that the poor woman gave. All the other rich were giving abundance more and more. Messiah said, what this poor widow gave, her only two mites, was more valuable and more meaningful and more of an offering than all of your wealth. So we have got to make sure, even if it's a tiny, insignificant little thing in our mind, it doesn't matter. We have got to make it right. We have got to give it up, and we have got to atone for our sin. The meaning is, until everything is paid, we have got to make sure that everything within us has been made right, even if it is is two small mites. The ultimate penalty one pays at the hands of the judge, the officer, and in the prison could never be satisfied with money. We can't pay it off. It is an offering. It is an action that we have to do with our own free will. No money will ever repair a damaged feeling, thought, an action, or a word that has caused harm. We can't pay that off. It only from our free will of a giving act of humility and repentance can remove that from within. After the debtor was cast into prison, he was held until the debt was paid. And if we not, he remained in prison until he died. Great example of why we must do it now. We must make sure that we are clean and free of all. We don't want to hold that within until we die. And then there is no chance of repentance, forgiveness. We've got to do it now while we still have breath in us. The reality suggested by these strong figures of speech reminds us that the suffering of eternity is indeed eternal. It's not worth everlasting life of damnation. We want everlasting life of salvation. So we have to make sure that everything in our life is right and clean and freed. We're not going to be judged on what other people are doing, what other people are saying what other people are holding in or forgiving of. We're only going to be held accountable for ourselves. So don't worry about the others. Worry about yourself and what you need to make right. We are warned to make everything right before it is too late. Before the judgment, there is a chance. We still have that chance. But after, there is nothing but payment. We don't want to be in debt to the Father We don't want those things to have not been letting go of, to not be forgiven of, to not be repented of. All right, this one is titled Lust, starting in 27. You heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. One of the 10 Devarim. Yahushua deals with what they had heard Regarding the law of adultery, the teachers of the day taught that adultery itself was wrong, but they applied the law only to the actions, not to the heart. And this is one of the great examples how the law was fulfilled. It was not done away with, it was not nailed to the cross. Messiah came to fulfill it, to enhance it, because there is much more than just the physical act. It can also be applied to the mental thought, to the mind. Messiah, as he always did, lays the laws upon the heart. It is impure, full of unholy desire. One is guilty. It is our duty to keep the heart pure. Verse 28, But I say to you that everyone looking at a woman to lust For her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Messiah explains that it is possible to commit adultery or even murder in our own heart or mind. And this also is sin. And this also is sin and prohibited by the command against adultery. With the words, whoever looks at a woman. Messiah located the origin of lust back to our eyes. This is the true. This is true according to biblical statement and life experience. Job thirty-one-one says, "I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a matter?" You know, if you have made the covenant of marriage, you have that commitment to abstain from even lustful looking of the eyes, lustful desires of the heart. We need to uphold that covenant with our spouse, just like we are to uphold that covenant we have made with Yahuwah. We do not need to be looking at false idols, putting those in our mind or focusing on our eyes. We have got to abstain from that gazing of false idols or of lustful thoughts and desires. The act of adultery is far worse than adultery in the heart, but Messiah's point is, to not, is not to say that they are the same things, but to say that they are both sin. They are both prohibited by the command against idolatry. We must know that we cannot do either one, the act or the thought. They are both sin, and they are both breaking the covenant and the commandment that Messiah and Yahushua has given us. The principle applies to much more than men just looking at women. It applies to just about anything we can covet with an eye or mind. Adultery of the heart and of the eye desecrates the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the Ruach Haqodesh. Can it dwell within us if we are lusting in our heart, in our mind, with our eyes? It cannot. We have to be full and pure of that spirit in order for him to dwell there. If it is mixed and mingled with wickedness, with evil, there's not going to be room. Even just one drop of poison ruins the whole vial of water. And so the same thing goes with our sin, with our wickedness, our wicked desires or lust. If that is within us, there's no room for Yah to dwell. It is so important. Even if it is two mites worth, it is still enough to ruin the whole batch. This is a great point. My wife, Lee, says one could say participating in pagan celebrations as Christmas or Easter, saying it's about Messiah, is adultery against him and his sacrifice. Those are man-made traditions. We know his set-apart times. He has given us a time. That honors Him. We need to make sure that we are setting those apart from the world. That we are honoring only those, and not that the not the ones that the world hold up. Great comment. She says, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world." Love that. All right, finishing up with our last two verses here in 29. And if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it away from you. For it is better for you that one of your members perish than for your entire body to be thrown into Gehinnom, into Sheol, into Hades, into hell, whichever one you want to, the lake of fire. It's not a place that we want to be. And so it is not worth Causing our entire body, our entire soul to end up there. Messiah uses a figure of speech here. He did not speak literally, even though some have taken it literally and plucked their eye out, cut their right hand off. It is a, essentially a metaphor into if it is causing you to stumble, to sin, it is better that you remove it so that you no longer do that. But even if you did cut off your hand or gouge out your eye, you could still sin with the other hand or with your other eye. When all those are gone, you can especially sin with your mind. So that is the deeper meaning here, that we have got to gain self-control over our mind, over our lusts and our desires. We are to desire the Father, only. We are to to desire our spouse only. We cannot be wandering astray. Same with religion and our walk with the Father. We cannot be strained to the left or to the right. We have to be focused and walking on His narrow path. And in order to do that, we use the light, the lamp, the Torah. That is what helps guide us to stay firmly planted on the narrow path. An example here, the surgeon does not hesitate to amputate a limb if he hopes thereby to save a life. No earthly sacrifice is too great where eternal life is concerned. We must be willing to amputate, to rid ourselves of whatever is causing us to stumble, whatever is causing us to stay, to have that one foot still stuck in the world. We need to remove it, pluck it out, cut it off, whatever it be. Cut that sin out of your life and do not pick it back up. Do not look back because we will be turned into a pillar of salt, just like Lot's wife. If we're looking back on what could have been, what happened, what was, doesn't matter. That is in the past. We need to be focused on now and in the future, what the Father has in store for us. He will lead us and guide us and wants the best for us. And when we're delving in sin, we're keeping those blessings and those promises from happening in our lives. Verse thirty, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you, for it is better that you is better for you that one of your members perish than for your entire body to be thrown into Gehenna. Messiah simply stressed the point that one must be willing to sacrifice to be obedient. If part of our life is given over to sin, we must be convinced that it is more profitable for that part of our life to die rather than to condemn our whole life. This is the one thing many are unwilling to do, and that is why they remain trapped in sin or never come to Messiah. They never get beyond that vague wish to be better. They think, well, there's always tomorrow. I'll work on that later. No, the time is now. We don't know when our time is going to come. We don't know when our last breath will be. The time is now. Remove it. Purge it. Make things right with others within yourself. The salvation of our soul is to be preferred before all things be they ever so dear and precious to us. We don't have a good concept of eternity, of forever. We only live in the world's time frame, maybe 80 to 100 years. That is nothing compared to eternity. We do not want to sacrifice unpleasing things to Yah. We don't want our offerings and sacrifices to be rebuked, to not be received by YAH because of the way that we are living, the sin that we are unwilling to get rid of, the lust that we may have in our heart or our mind that no one else knows about. They can be kept secret, but they cannot be kept secret from YAH. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So be seeking Him in guidance and in prayer, crying out to Him, For him to show you what needs to be removed. There can be things deep within us that have lingered for years and years. Maybe from trauma or hurt. We must cleanse ourselves pure. So that we can ultimately be that offering and that pure sacrifice to him. All right. Well, that does it for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. I hope that you were able to get something from these verses. They were very powerful for me. This message is for me just as much as anyone else out there. I always want to apply these scriptures and these lessons to my own life so I can help overcome the struggles I deal with, so that I can grow closer to the Father, that I can be more pleasing to Him, and that I can emulate and be an example of our Messiah, letting my light be seen throughout the world. Let your light shine bright. Don't let the sin The leaven, the lust, or the hate darken or dampen your light. Let it shine bright everywhere you go, each second of the day. Yes, Amanda says, Abba, please reveal to us the state of our hearts. We need to be humble and willing for that purification so that we can be pure as snow, white as snow, And we know that Messiah gives us that opportunity. If you have not been baptized, if your sins have not been washed away, please do so now, as soon as you can. He gives that redemption. He gives that salvation. And we are to turn away from our sin and never look back. Rely on Him. Put all that on the cross. He will carry that burden for you. He will carry that. He's taken it all away for us. It's an easy thing to do, but it's a hard thing to do as well. So make sure that he is guiding you each and every step you take. Thank you, everybody. Please have a blessed week. Shalom. We just love you all. Join our group. Subscribe to our YouTube so you don't miss out of any future shows. Join our telegram so we can fellowship you, fellowship with you through the week. And we love when you join in on our comments here. You guys mean so much to us. And we just pray blessings over each of each and every one of you. Thank you and blessings.